Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about economic cycle changes and what those mean specifically for the housing market. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah Wheeler, I know you're not a 49er fan, but I just want to remind you, when the 49ers just destroyed the Eagles in Philadelphia, when Debo Samuel scored that last touchdown and he ran into the end zone, he looked at Brandon Ayuk, told him to come down and catch his touchdown. He slid down there in a touchdown. So if we get to be ranked number one in the country for our business news podcast, because we're right now ranked number two, we're going to have to do a, a slide in the end zone uh, touchdown dance. Okay. So get Absolutely. ready for that. Wait, listen, we will do something big. I'm already thrilled about number two. Thank you to all of the people listening. You've made it a, a very popular podcast. We're super excited. And I'm excited about what we want to talk about today, because I feel like everything changed this week and we are now at sort of a different point in the housing market. So Logan, what is the state of the housing market right now after all of these changes? You know, I I track economic cycles first. Housing is like the secondary of that. So a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people just know me for housing, but so much of my so much of my macroeconomic work is economic cycles because I, I revolve around the 10-year yield. Like the 10-year yield to me drives housing. That, that's my lifeline, right? Especially after a qualified mortgage, wherever the 10-year yield goes, housing goes. You know, that's the, you know, one of the early interviews I had with CNBC this year, I said, listen, housing is going to revolve around a 10-year yield. And it, and it has, and it really has since, since after the qualified mortgage law was put into place in 2010. But what we've had this week, you know, we, we need to talk about the economic cycle first, because what traditionally happens is when the Fed pauses and talks about rate cuts, that's that's like a recession. Only 2018 were things different. And and I so much of my work back in 2018 was trying to tell people, listen, housing isn't crashing. When the 10-year yield falls, demand picks up. That was, you know, I, I remember that because I, I it was like November of 2018 and everyone was, I mean, that was really the start of the big housing bubble crash. Back then people thought prices would go back to 2012 levels, but back then people didn't understand that the housing equilibrium dynamics, when the 10 year yield falls, demand picks up. When the 10 year yields rise, demand falls. Here, the 10 year yields had a very, very aggressive move, but from 5% to 3.90%, I think currently we're at 3.93. Mortgage rates have gone from a little bit above 8% down to 6.625. So, or yeah, 6.625. So we've had a major move. And what's happened is that before mortgage rates even broke under seven and a quarter, housing forward-looking demand picked up. So that's our thing. We want to get people, the evolution of the human mind should be, do not focus on yearly forecast, focus on daily, weekly data, especially the forward-looking housing. That was the whole reason we created the tracker so nobody could be left behind anymore. And everyone was left behind because nobody focuses on weekly data. And my, I mean, it, it pains me to see this, but I just saw a lot of inexperienced people talk about housing toward the end of 2022 and, and just, they just don't have, they just don't have the training. It's, it's nothing against them. They just don't have the experience to talk about housing because that's not where they really track. 
So here we've already had a material change, but what the Fed is 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 talking about typically means an economic recession is not that far out. That's why we always focused on my God, real yields are really restrictive. I don't, you know, the, if the Fed keeps on doing this, they're they're really pushing for a recession, and they're talking about soft landing. So I think we need to like now now that we've gone through this whole crazy year of 2023, and mortgage rates went from 7.37 down to 6%, from 6% to 8%. And the housing market is still somewhat intact for the existing home sales market. The builders, are, of course, are growing double digits. Their stocks are doing well. The one sector that benefits from, if there is weaker demand, uh, if the labor market starts to get softer, uh, bond yields can fall down more, demand picks up. Right, because the housing sector is the the existing home sales market is the one depressed demand area right now. It doesn't take much to move the needle. This is countlessly time and time again. We, I was looking back at the videos we created uh, uh, last year. It doesn't take much to move the needle. You just got to go with it. And now we have to talk about what does the Fed do if the labor market gets worse, right? Because they're talking about rate cuts. I I would argue that they're only talking about rate cuts in the sense that they overhiked and they just want to keep things somewhat back to normal, not very restrictive like Jerome Powell said. But there are certain data lines that we're going to have to focus on going out in the future. And of course, number one, 10-year yield purchase apps. Very simple. Bond yields fell down, mortgage rates went down, purchase application data is growing, right? We've had five positive trending weeks. We get 12 to 14 of, of that that's a material change going into 2024. Same thing happened last year, right? 10-year yield fell. I would argue that was because more of the market stress. Now we have, you know, the Fed hike and end of rate hikes, which means the traditional mortgage rates fall when the market believes the 10-year or the Fed has done hiking rates. That's good. That That's already happened. But now we have to focus on the economy, right? And the only thing right now that could be concerning is that the apartment boom is over, right? Capital investment in America is not happening as it should because the Fed has raised interest rates so much that a lot of borrowing costs are, it's not workable for businesses to do. So getting rates lower could help the capital investment grow up. Maybe that's a 2025 story, but if the 10-year yield falls down due to, let's say the labor market softening up, we don't want to go straight into the recession economic discussion until jobless claims breaks over 323,000. Now that we're almost in 2024, there's a reason I said, do not talk about a recession until jobless claims break over 323,000. There's a reason for that. Look what happened. Every recession call just got destroyed this year, right? Because claims do not break. So I think we need to focus on the economic cycle because that can really drive housing demand going out because this means rates could stay lower for longer. We love rates staying lower for longer. So, you know, when you think about housing demand too, something that we've talked about several times is just the perception, right? Because, you know, we don't all uh, live our life based based on numbers and charts slogan. I know that that is dear to your heart. Uh, Trust me, I uh, I figured that out a long time ago. That's why I'm here today. But but I do think that consumers, whereas, you know, these rates uh, where we are now, like what would you say? Six point six, six point six point six two five. Yeah. Six point six. So, you know, I mean, that's that 
historically say in the last three years wouldn't have excited anybody. People are very excited right now. We can see, we can feel the momentum shift. I've already had people asking me about refis. Are we going to have a refi boom? I'm like, Oh, I think we need to go a little bit lower for that. And, and you know, any boom is going to be relative, but I do think that you have people who seeing that 8% rates, you and I talked about the fact that you think that that really made a significant difference. It was like a shock to the Fed. I think it was a shock to consumers. And now seeing 6.6 seems really good in in comparison. So this was a question that I was asked today. And I think this the simple answer is, let's forget about the headline mortgage rate number for a second. Let's just throw it all away. What have we seen after 2010 when the qualified mortgage law has come into place? It doesn't matter if rates are at three, four, five, six, seven, or eight. Whenever mortgage rates fall, demand picks up. Whenever mortgage rates rise, demand falls. There's a natural equilibrium here because after mortgage rates go up, there's a certain buyer that's not there anymore. When they start to fall relatively to where they are, eight, seven, six, or five, demand picks up a little bit. So I actually want to get people not focused on the headline number, just the trend, right? And I think when you, what happened last year is that for 12 weeks, the trend was getting better, but people said, well, mortgage rates are still too high. You know, there's no way demand could stabilize or grow. It, it did. We went from 7.375 down to 5.99, and we had one of the biggest month-to-month sales reports ever recorded in history. That only happened because the bar is so low. So we have to realize the bar is so low, we can all trip from it. But if mortgage rates head lower and stay lower, they don't rise back up. That's a positive. Last This year, um, again, I, the, the Gandalf line that I created for those that might not know. I I did not think the 10-year yield could really break under 3.37 because I didn't see the labor market breaking. I know everyone thought because of the banking crisis, you know, that was it. We're going into recession. I just want to let everyone know, we had lower bond yields and lower mortgage rates when the growth rate of inflation was much higher. So don't make the inflation mortgage rate thing one-to-one. There are other variables here. Um, there's other variables than the supply of, you know, deficit spending. You know, people say there's no way mortgage rates could go down because of deficit spending. Okay. Guess what happened? Those people got absolutely rolled over. It's like King Kong and Godzilla just thrashing them at once. So there are things about the bond market and mortgage rates that, you know, are tied to the economic cycle. But whenever rates fall, no matter where it is, if it falls with duration, demand picks up. The equilibrium is... You know, is it going to really move much when existing home sales are trending between 5.1 to 5.4 million? Not much going on. Like the previous cycle, not much was really going on. Now, because you're working from a low bar, you've got the ability to grow sales just because I would argue that it was the lowest levels of sales ever recorded in US history just because we have over 157 million people working now. It's not like it was uh, 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 back in the late 70s, early 80s, so or even 2008. So keep it simple. If mortgage rates keep on going lower and lower and the forward-looking data gets better, forget about six and a quarter or seven and a quarter, whatever it is, you go with the forward-looking data because it's a very low bar. So no, even last year, we saw demand pick up. Even now, the forward-looking data got better even with rates going from eight to seven and a quarter. So that in itself, uh, uh, keep it as simple as that. 
I think a lot of people got caught up that purchase application data was so low that they thought there's no demand and literally it gave us a very good print and that's from a low bar. Let's not make that same mistake if this keeps on continuing, right? You know, no matter how many videos I try to make, follow forward, follow forward, we cannot make that same mistake again. We've had a full year to show us this. We want to go with that into 2024. And we, we, I mean, I mean, the 10 year yield today is still so much higher than it was, you know, in, in 2022 when the inflation was running at seven, eight percent. So the bond yields and mortgage rates look normal to me. It's just that if they keep going lower and the demand gets better, go with it. Just go with it this time. Forget your ideological takes and everything. Forget what you think you should happen. Just go with the forward-looking data uh, uh, and ignore a lot of other people on the internet. I think we are looking at a positive spring selling season. And I think from my perspective, one of the things we've talked about a lot is duration. And over the last year, it was so hard to get any sort of traction because um, the volatility, right? So it was going up, it was going down. You've, you've said several times, like it's, it's like a third world country, the kind of inflation you would see in a third world country, which we're not used to. But if we now, if, you know, your general public knows, oh, the Fed said, you know, they're, they're going to cut rates even like three rate cuts. They may not understand exactly how that relates to the, you know, the 10 year yield and the mortgage rates, but they will all have confidence that like, we're going to have some duration on these lower rates. You know, if I thought the Fed really wanted to like change the game, it's not the rate cuts right now. It's them saying, we're not going to, we're going to stop quantitative tightening. That, if the, if the economy starts, and this is why I want to talk about the economic cycle. If the economy starts to show that it's breaking, the Fed has levers to pull to get bond yields to go down much lower and stay lower. So I, I'm planting that seed right now because right now the, the we're so far away from that. You know, people say, is this a pivot? No, this is not a pivot. This is not the Fed pivoting. The Fed, the, we, we've taught, we try to get people to realize real yields were so restrictive and then they got really restrictive when the 10-year yield went to uh, 5%. That's not what the Fed, that's why these presidents were, were, were all uh, concerned. But there are levers that the Fed could pull that can change the dynamics with the bond market and the 10-year yield. Okay, so when the economic data, let's just assume, this is an assumption, let's say the economic data does get weaker, jobless claims do start to rise aggressively. Bond yields have the potential to actually go lower and possibly even break that Gandalf line. And just remember, we still have 157 million people working. Right, the whole premise of that those videos I made, my army is bigger than yours, is is there to show that the mistake that happened in COVID was people thought nobody would buy homes, and we had twenty to thirty million people unemployed, and we had five million in forbearance. There's no, I mean, I mean, smart. My smart friends were saying, Logan, there's no way anybody would buy homes because all of these people are unemployed. And I said, and I always say this. Very cute. But look at my army behind me. I have 133 million Americans and mortgage rates are down to 3%. You think they're going to sit here and go, oh, boy, rates are really low. Affordability is good. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to buy a house because of those 20 or 30 million people. Trust me about this. Americans don't really care about the other people in that sense. They only care about their own. And that was an opportunity. Six weeks. That's all it took. 
By the time demand recovered, everybody was deer in the headlights. They didn't realize we were like, hey, listen, by May 18th, 2020, oh boy, things are going to change. So here, let's have a similar mindset right away. If the economic data does get weaker, we still have 157 million people working, right? We're not working from a very high bar in sales. I would have a much different conversation if existing home sales were running at six and a half million, but they're not anymore. They're running at four million. So it doesn't take much to move the needle. And hopefully by now, now that we're almost at Christmas, people could understand why for years and even last year that I've always said, it's really rare in America to get existing home sales below 4 million. It does not happen much. Why? Because there's a certain group of home buyers that whether rates are at 8% or 3%, where home prices escalate out of control or they're down, they're always there. Like we had lower rates and higher inventory uh, even back in 2008, but it didn't matter. But it's still that 4 million level kind of held. Here, we got a lot more people working, right? Affordability is more of an issue, but that 4 million home buyer held its course. If that didn't happen, if I was wrong about that, the entire housing dynamic changes. But this is why last year on November 9th, 2022, I said, oh, you know, guys, it literally looks like we're going to 4 million. That's the level that we should hold the ground. If rates start to fall down, as they should, guess what? We should see a pickup of demand. Now we got a little bit of difference. We're already working from 3.79 million. So we got room to go up and, and that stabilizes the market. We'll see how much it grows. But remember, forward-looking data, purchase apps 30 to 90 days out. We're going to have the existing home sales come up. It might not even hit this. Uh, it shouldn't really hit this uh, uh, data line. Uh, uh, in a bigger fashion, but think 38 days out and every week, if this continues, right, that's another week, another month added to that. When you're working from a low bar, be the detective, not the troll. You could see it rising demand from a very low bar, total inventory is low. We just got to work with that. This is why we track the weekly tracker every weekend. So all of you can see what it looks like out there. Because saying that, you know, existing home sales were going to go to 4 million back in November. I mean, we just broke under 5 million just recently. So it wasn't like we were almost there, but the forward looking data was collapsing so much so fast. And again, 2022 was a historic anomaly year for housing. You can't really use that as a base. You don't fall from six and a half million to 4 million sales in 12 months, right? It took 2005 to 2000. It took years to get us down here. We just had we just had an unbelievable shock, and this was the sloppiness of having mortgage rates go to three to seven percent within a year because everybody just pulls back. Doesn't mean everybody rushes to sell a house, right? This is why we didn't see inventory escalate out of control. But you know, everyone's kind of they're 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 in a very good spot financially. When rates go lower, we just get a little bit more buyer demand, and we just go with it, right? We want to keep things as simple as possible. And now the economic cycle really plays into effect because the Fed's like, okay, we don't want to over push it right now, but we don't go into the recession talk until jobless claims break over 323,000 on the forward commute average. Not there. Claims was good again this week. Uh, retail sales beat estimates. So we go with that going in the future. So just uh, for those who don't know, this tracker article that you're talking about, you spend Friday nights uh, going through all the Altos research data. So you get weekly inventory data for all of the zip codes in the United States. It's like you, a kid in a candy shop. And I'm such a loser, but I love it. Article. I love it. I love it. I get it. I get it. And I, I tell people, I said, it's it's not fair. Mike Simonson and myself working together, it's just not fair. It's, we have so much data that we don't even share to the public. 
it's just like I'm sitting here like reading people's tweets and messages. I was like, they're so cute. Look at them. This is so adorable. So, <laughs> so again, the tracker so we article. That- Publish that every every Saturday, but the tracker article is the, again it's designed for new listings, active listings, ten year yield, mortgage rates, purchase application data, price cut percentages. We put them all together, right? And then we want to look out thirty to ninety days and what happened. Again, like we we've talked about here, the, I think the the, the story of twenty twenty three is that mortgage rates went up to eight percent, and price cut percentage were still four percent below twenty twenty two levels the entire time, and nobody cared. I was like, what? What are you talking about? It's like it was there for like weeks. No, nobody cared. And so things are changing now. So we just have to focus even sharper, not only just on the economic data, but the tracker data going out for 2020. Because what, Sarah? We don't want to be old and slow, right? We don't want to be those people like in June and July going, what happened? I was told prices follow volumes and home prices should be down 15 to 20%. Why are home sales stable line? Be the detective, not the troll. Well, and that's what you help us uh, to do. So you've talked about the larger, you know, macroeconomic picture. Let's narrow it down a little bit for housing. You put the housing um, industry in a recession back in 2022. Was it June 16th, 2022, 501 p.m.? 501 p.m., yes. And, you know, there are some, a lot of things have changed since then. Do you think that you will be able to take the housing industry out of a recession when we hit the spring home buying season? So for me, again, everyone has their own different models for like, there are people out there that say there's no housing recession until prices fall. You know, there's no housing recession, you know, uh, unless uh, uh, new home sales are falling, we lose construction drop. That's a little bit more viable for me. Again, jobs, incomes, demand. They all collapse. I need to see a recovery stage, right? I need to see, I mean, I really want to see at least 12 to 18 months of credit growth and sales growth, but we have to see growth. We have to see months and months and months of growth happening. And then we could say, okay, we're out of the recession for the existing home sales market because people have to you know, make more money. Jobs have to be created because that's the bigger marketplace. The builders, on the other hand, they were, that was it. After November, the game was over, right? We have single family permits rising. The multifamily construction is over with. That's that's at a recession. The apartment boom is done with, but the builders are growing sales, so they're not in that. I don't care so much about home prices. I think I think so much of the terrible housing takes are always because people think price first more than anything. That's not that's not really that important in this discussion. Existing home sales have to grow. Purchase application data has to grow. People have to buy more homes then incomes rising, then more jobs get hired. Until that happens, not taking it off, right? I would like to see this, you know, monthly sales have at least one print of 4.72 million, right? We don't have to have the existing home sales uh, close the year out at 4.72, but we need to have a trend growth because we're working from such low levels. If, if the housing market is definitely out of a recession, then we should be trending up to that level. We should have at least one monthly uh, sales print. And the only way that happens is lower rates, lower rates for duration. So, and I would just, uh, you said it there several times, but you make, you draw a very bright line between the existing home sales market and the new home sales market, because from your perspective, those operate completely differently. Yeah, you know, I I recently did a podcast with downtown Josh Brown from the compound. And, you know, I mean, so many people are just looking at the builder stocks and going, what is happening? I say, guys, listen, their profit margins are high. They have product and 
they are not the march of dimes. They're here to make money. So they use their excess profit margins to lower rates and they're growing sales. Okay. If the existing home sale market was working with a sub 6% mortgage rate marketplace, we can grow sales. They don't have that. The builders do make it simple like that. There you go. Right. Uh, I think so many people, it's funny. So many people look at the median sales price of new homes down 18%. So worse, it's a great financial and the builder stocks are right up. I, I wish this was the case. I wish they were all short the builders because they all got smoked, but they weren't, you know, I could just tell, but they don't, they just quite don't understand, you know, median sales price, how that works, smaller homes into the sales mix, you know, so that was the big bearish case against the builders and it got absolutely destroyed. I mean, just destroyed Sarah Wheeler in such a huge fashion, all from November 9th. Please, equity investors, go back, look at all the charts starting from November 9th. Game change is a reason why I bring that up all the time. The existing home sales market didn't have that luxury. They were still working from rates from six to 8%. Rates were rising. So you could see this. Most sellers are buyers, right? So when new listings data trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history for 17 months, you know, you just lack that demand. Supply is a function of demand in the existing home sales market. That's a simple way to look at a lot of things for housing. And we're keeping an eye on those builders and what they, what kind of incentives they're going to continue to offer as rates generally come down. So, you know, the big thing they've been able to do, like you said, is um, offer much lower rates. They've also, um, I've talked to several builders who are like in the next 18 months, you can refinance for free. Um, there are people who are, you know, cutting their prices, whatever. So let's see what this looks like going into the spring. If, if that kind of uh, they advantage disadvantage their biggest competitor is the existing home sales market and they're just they're, they're uh, back, uh, like i said in 2007 nar data 4 million active listings today we're a little bit above 1.1 million right so it's just completely different i think like always anybody running 2008 housing economic models based on credit data just got blown apart for the last 13 years okay so uh you just want to keep things simple and follow the real data and do not believe in speculative theory. But, but again, so much of so much has changed. I mean, I mean, we were wasn't that long ago eight percent mortgage raise, house housing. You know, now it's it's like, whoa, so a very good Christmas. You know. Yes, a very good Christmas. Um, Speaking of which, we will be here through this break. We will still be doing podcasts. We will not have a podcast on Christmas Day itself. Okay, we're not doing that. But you will be on, um, you know, next week and then the 26th and the 29th. And we will get to hear your 2024 forecast over this break. So everyone listen for that because uh, this is something, it's it's one of our most popular uh, stories all year is Logan's forecast gets huge traffic numbers for a reason. And, and as always right now, I'm not trying to th- throw shade on people's forecast. If you don't track live weekly data and you're just holding on somebody's yearly forecast and you don't move on the daily basis, you're going to get smoked. I mean, you're just going to get smoked. And that's that's what happened. It's just things move so much faster after 2020 that you you have to be able to follow and track data religiously, right? And I think the, uh, it, it, just the last six weeks, a really good example, right? We have people who have already made 2024 forecasts that are already wrong, you know, on rate ranges. And it's not even, you know, 2024 yet. And this is, this is, this is why... 
I'm a 10 year yield guy and just, I like to wait for the very last day and just try to create ranges because things could do, 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 and that matters. And it also matters on explaining why something happened, right? I don't care so much about the final answer, the why. So then everyone kind of gets the daily movements and everything and could understand the markets better. Um, uh, but again, the economic cycle has changed in a sense. The Fed is no longer in a hike mode. They're talking about cuts. I know uh, President uh, Williams from the New York Fed came today and said, we're not talking about cuts. You know, um, so. Uh, well, wait, for, for our listeners, you're, you're doing a big wink, you know, unless they're seeing yeah. this on YouTube, they it, have no idea. It's what funny doing. because it was Williams a few months ago that was laying the groundwork for, I, I don't think people realize this, before the 10-year yield broke above four and a quarter and kept to 5%, it was Williams that was saying, you know, if the growth rate of inflation falls, we're going to cut rates. He's the one that said it first. And he's like, today on CNBC, wait, wait, or, you know, uh, we're not talking about cuts here. Dot plots have already talked about it. So just remember rate cuts, the economic data matters more than, than, than rate cuts. And the 10 year yield still today is much higher than it was in 2022 when inflation was higher and quantitative tightening is still happening. So there's all these variables here, but that, the worst part of that is done. And again, the 10-year yield looks perfectly normal to me as long as it's in a range between four and a quarter and 3.21%. If it broke under 3.37 without the labor market breaking, I got that wrong. That Gandalf line held eight times. So everything looks back to normal to me. The four and a quarter to 5% was like, whoa, that was so unnecessary. So we'll take it. We'll give the forecast. We'll get everybody. But remember, follow me. I will take you there, right? Every day, 24-7. I do nothing else. This is my life, right? I'm in, I'm, I, 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 I do not do anything else that will take with the attention off. I will just follow the data and we will get there together. I, I can assure everyone that on a Friday night, I am getting questions on text message from Logan or he's like, oh, did you see this? Did you know this? And he's super excited about the data. So yes, I can, I can testify. This is how nerds roll. And we roll. love you for that. This is how yeah. nerds roll. No, we are very thankful for that. We will talk to you again soon, Logan. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.